Good morning and welcome. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour live on this Monday, August the 7th. I'm Joe Jaquint, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group Legal, Lawful, Constitutional Tender, what we like to, to call wealth insurance, something that everybody needs to have as part of their portfolio, our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. Gold and silver is what we're talking about. The website at allamericangold.com, where we give you the news to disturb the comfortable or keep you comfortably disturbed. I don't know, wherever you're at. And I hope today finds you well. It's a oh, it's, it's a sad day, and it's a great day all at the same time for my family. Uh, our oldest and our youngest are both headed to high school today. It's the first day of school. Our oldest, a senior. Our youngest, a freshman. And, you know, bittersweet. Right? This is the last time for our oldest our oldest son for the first time for the first day of, of high school of course the, hopefully by this time next year it'll be college we're going to talk about that uh, today as well in the ever rising cost of education and then of course really kind of symbolizing the end of what you know, the baby isn't the baby anymore and and you know, we were thinking about them going through their schedule. They both play football. And practice has already started. And now, uh, starting today, practice is going to be after school. And, you know, as any of you that have had teenagers, you never see that. Especially like our older son, because he drives, he's got his car. And, and you know, you're lo- I'm lucky if I see like a shadow, you know, every couple of days. So my wife and I, we had... We came up with this great plan that every Sunday, because we went through the whole schedule, and uh, our younger son's games are on Wednesdays, our older son's games are on Fridays, but then my younger son has to practice early in the morning on Tuesdays, where our older son does it early morning on Thursday, and, you know, they're everywhere. So every Sunday, we've decided that we are going to have it. It's mandatory. Kind of, we're going old school, but you know, we're only going old school for one day. Every Sunday, we are going to cook and eat dinner together. And we figured it'd be great for the the boys to you know get more experience cooking, and and at least we get to see them, and and it's a little less awkward than forcing them to. Uh, sit on the couch and talk and things of that nature. So we did this yesterday was our second Sunday we've done this. And it's just a fantastic idea. We we all debate on what the menu's going to be. Then my wife prints out a few recipes and then we'll go to the store and we'll get the ingredients that we're missing. And I don't know, it's just it's uh, the last of an era. We, we're trying to spend some quality family time together. Yesterday we did steak and mashed potatoes, you know, a staple, steak and mashed potatoes. We also had uh, uh, Brussels sprouts with bacon. 
and both of the boys, they each made a competing saw. So it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with it. Anyway, just trying to help out if you're if you're tr- having tr- trouble like we are in actually seeing your teenage son, try that one out, at least because, I mean, they do like to eat. So anyway, uh, that's what's happening in my world. So the first day of school is here in Arizona and, and I think pretty much everywhere now. It seems like school starts earlier and earlier. And we got a lot of things uh, going on in the in the stock market, in the equity markets, in the gold, in the silver markets. Matt, particularly in silver, silver's doing something it rarely does. Matter of fact, I'm going to go back 45 years and kind of put the pieces to the puzzle together. Uh, This is going to be something where I think there is a tremendous opportunity in front of you. You're not going to want to miss that. Uh, Just hitting the tape, uh, Fed Governor Bullard believes that short-term interest rates are just fine. And then the Federal Reserve today took away one of their key economic reports it happens to be about jobs why would they do it of course yesterday friday we talked about the great jobs creations number and we need to believe that people being waiters and waitresses are somehow going to be the economic salvation that we're all upon and this morning the federal reserve decided you know what we don't like that story, so we're gonna we're gonna take away this report because that report doesn't go along with the story that we want to propel and we want people to hear about and we want people to know about, right? We want our friends at Goldman Sachs to come out on the idiot box and tell you well, how great the employment numbers are. We're gonna talk all about that and what report they got rid of, why they got rid of it and what it really means uh, for the United States economy, and really what it means, right, for our children and our grandchildren. You know, and I remember hearing that a lot when I was growing up, when the deficits were still below $10 trillion, right? We can't do this to our children and our grandchildren. Well, apparently, not only did they do it, They have no problems doing it at all. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. 800-951-0592. A very, very interesting development happening in silver. And it's unfolding uh, as we speak. As we look at two different factors. One, production. Okay, Obviously, when you talk about price, uh, used to be, right, supply and demand. Right? So this would be, production would be supply. One of the things that happened last year is continuing this year. Matter of fact, 2016 was the first decrease in silver output 
refined silver production for the that was the first time it fell in over 14 years. This year it's falling again, but it's gotten pretty significant. The four largest, well, four of the largest primary silver miners. Okay, because there's there's a lot of byproducts. Silver can be a byproduct of copper miners, can be a byproduct sometimes of gold miners, and and maybe even a few of the others. But primary silver miners, according to the the recently released data, second quarter data, silver production declined between twenty and 34% for four of the world's primary silver miners. And the other three have yet to report. So they're of the big seven, four of the seven are in. Uh, Hecla, by the way, had the largest decline at 34%. And Hecla, I guess the, the reason that I think they're important. They actually mine, their, one of their big mines is right in Idaho. Production at the Lucky Friday mine suspended since workers began a strike on March the 13th. They also have a Green Creek mine in Alaska which saw its production falling as well. The culprit there, and this is the theme, Falling ore grades, and this is starting to happen at a at a very big majority of silver mines. Now, obviously, the heckless strike uh, could have a, 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 an effect on that. The second largest production decline, Endeavor Silver, it fell by half a million ounces. They went from 1.6 million ounces to 1.1 million ounces. Reduction in capital and exploration spending. Of course, but this is a mine that's already open. I guess what, they decided, ah, I don't know if we're going to open up a new shaft or go down a, go down a little farther or what they were going to do. Narrowing veins. Again, this is the quality of the ore. Falling ore grades. Less ore processing due to a, a well, let's face it, due to the horrible problem of less silver in the ground. Silver standard. Down 24%. They went from 2.5 million ounces in the quarter to 1.9 million ounces They say the mine supply, they closed one of their open pits. When you close an open pit, what does that mean? (laughs) Pretty simple. Yeah, we're not getting enough silver out of the ground. Time to close it down. Uh, They said that silver production uh, in its other mines also seemingly to slow. They will not have the, they have a new mine in the process, they said, will not even come online until late 2018. And then first, Majestic. They went from 2.8 million ounces to 2.3 million ounces. So you're seeing, really, all of these mines kind of very similar. Half a million ounces here, half a million ounces there, 
half a million ounces there, and, and these are quarterly numbers. And they said that they had uh, labor disputes, in addition, declining silver yields. So all of the four came in with very similar situations where they said, hey, we've had this issue and that issue, and oh, by the way, we're having really bad grades of ore, right? We, we're not, the good silver, the easy silver has been taken out. And then I started looking at the silver price, because on Friday, after that historically great jobs number, and I, I hope you catch my sarcasm with that, silver dropped pretty significant. I mean, matter of fact, silver right now is at 16 and a quarter. And I, and, and I looked at the ratio to gold in silver. How many ounces of silver to buy an ounce of gold? And you know we've talked about this before. Anytime it's above 70, I, have, I mean, I've said this on the air a bunch of times, it's a buy. But right now, it's at 78. 78 ounces to get an ounce of gold. And I was like, man, I don't, re- I don't remember it being all that high. And, and I kind of looked and I'm like, you know, I think it's gotten close to 80 before, but, but let me, I wanted to, to, to make sure I knew. And so I went all the way back to 1971, because before 71, you really couldn't do it because the government held the price of gold, right? Gold was $20 and silver was a dollar, and you really, there was no value in it. So from 1971 all the way through today, one time, in history, just one was the was the gold to silver or silver to gold ratio higher than ninety, and that was actually in nineteen ninety ninety one. The gold to silver ratio touched a hundred. That was the all time record high 80 to 90 ounces also in that same time period the only time in history where the gold silver to gold ratio was above 80 ounces all happened between Let's say 1990 to about 1993. And hasn't done it, didn't, never did it before. Matter of fact, all through the, the 70s, that ratio was somewhere in the 30s to 40s. And then it jumped up into the 80s. And, and most of the 80s, the silver ratio was between 40 and, and 60 ounces. And then we had that spike. We had about a, a, a three-year spike.
relative to gold, you got above 80 ounces. Matter of fact, in the in the last 46 years, only seven percent of the time was the gold ratio, silver ratio above 80. Today, it's at 78, which according to the research that I did, matches a high touched in 03. They touched that same high again in 09, and now it's touched that high again here in 2017. Now, obviously, when we talk about this, we smooth out the yearly numbers, right? So there could have been uh, a day here or a week there, but we, we, we averaged out the yearly numbers. So when you're looking at the price, the silver-to-gold ratio today sitting at 78 ounces, Outside of a three-year period in the early 1990s, you're looking at a pretty much, you know, right here at record-type highs. You never needed this much silver to buy an ounce of gold in the, in the last 46 years, outside of that brief period. It's been as low, by the way, it hit the lows, in recent times, in this millennial, uh, in 2011, it actually got to below 40 ounces. That was the low water mark, and now we're kind of at the high water mark, and really is a, an opportunity to get into this silver market. So when we're sitting here and we're looking at silver, one of the few times, and, and I'm trying to think, I don't know that I've ever said that I thought this was a good idea, but if you're interested in even trading, this is a great tradable trade. In other words, trading some gold for some silver right now makes a lot of sense. Adding to your silver portfolio makes a lot of sense right now. Uh, you, you talk about trends and you look at, at charts and you look at history and you try to put things all together and when you kind of see something that, hey, this doesn't happen very often. And when you go back 46 years and you say, hey, <laughs> outside of three years in the early 90s, this has never happened. And then you put it, I guess you put it uh, with, with this. Then you look at the actual mine production, and you're seeing the the mines that we call primary silver mines are now having huge declines in production, and all of them citing one of the main things, and every one of them cited it, was ore grade kind of leads you to believe that silver is setting itself up for a nice recovery. Just think if it got back to, I don't know, uh, let's say 65, which is kind of what I think is the mid midwater mark. You're talking about a silver price of over 19, by almost 19 and a half dollars. So it's sitting here at 16 and a quarter. I think it's a great play right now. 
we've got a couple of ways that you can take advantage. The cheapest way, which, by the way, I always like the cheap way. Right? That's the best way, isn't it? Rolls of dimes at $65 put you at less than $2 over spot. By the way, those are in stock. I've got, oh, just under 200 rolls of dimes in stock at 65 bucks. That that puts the price at about $18.18. And if you think about a a average price, which I think, you know, my, and this is my own, right? Everybody else will tell you, yeah, the average is about 50 ounces. I like to say it's about 65, right? Put, still puts you way under that level at $18.18. You got rolls of U.S. Silver Eagles. They're at $400 a roll. Or cases of Silver Eagles at 9875 800-951-0592. We're going to talk about the cost of education next. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Every August, the debate erupts again about whether President Harry Truman was right or wrong in his decision to order the atomic bombs dropped on Japan in 1945. A new book by Wilson McCamby called The Most Controversial Decision deals at length with this question. It's a carefully researched and logically written book that places Truman's controversial decision in the context of the times. The author makes a powerful case that indeed Truman was right in making that decision. The atomic bombs ended the war in the Pacific. No military officials counseled the president against using the atomic bomb prior to Hiroshima. Truman acted with the full support of his chief civilian and military advisors. As sanctimonious people sound off on the anniversaries of the Hiroshima and Nagasaki atom bombs, we challenge them to stop condemning Truman until they can specify another course of action that would have ended the war with fewer casualties. It's practically impossible to do that. Of course, the United States could have eventually defeated Japan without the atom bombs, but all the alternate scenarios would have produced greater casualties on both sides. We would have engaged in continued obliteration bombing of Japanese cities and infrastructure. The terrible land invasion, island by island, that had been advocated by General George Marshall. Thousands of American and Allied soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen would have been killed. The atom bomb made it possible for thousands of fine young American men to come home, grow up to live normal lives, marry and raise families, instead of dying a tortured death on the beaches of Japan. To the list of dead, we would also have to add the thousands of Allied prisoners of war whom the Japanese had planned to execute if we ever invaded Japan. Even Japanese deaths would have been substantially greater without our use of the atom bombs. Thank you. 
2017 marks 50 years of the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, mailed, broadcast, and posted online to millions of Americans eager to follow her traditional conservative perspective. We continue that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com, archiving the past, addressing today's key issues, and staying alert for the future. So bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. For the first time in, in my lifetime, I'm a gold guy, and I, I don't apologize for that. Silver's bulky, it weighs a lot, but I'm telling you right now, yeah, it's an outright screaming buy because the supply side looks very favorable and then when you go back through the 46 years, go all the way back to 1971, and outside of a three-year window in the early 90s, silver has never been this inexpensive compared to, the, to an ounce of gold in that whole time. So make sure you take the time. And if you're listening, God, I don't, I don't have any new money to put in. Trade. Take some time. Take a couple of ounces of gold, and and maybe you take, maybe you take eight, nine, ten, twenty, whatever it may be, ounces, and, and trade them in. Maybe you take one or two. It doesn't matter. Uh, but but right now, this is when you really do want to be accumulating silver. And like I said, the easiest, simplest, cheapest way today, there are rolls of dimes. You get 50 dimes in a roll at $65. It puts that per ounce cost at, at just over $18 an ounce. I mean, it's cheap at 800-951-0592. So we're going to talk about something very personal to me. And then we're also going to talk about Friday's jobs report and then what the Federal Reserve did today. Because here's here's what we all need to understand. The headline numbers no longer mean what they used to. And we're seeing this pretty much across the board. You take the big three numbers on jobs. Unemployment rate, jobless claims, and then, of course, obviously, the number we got on Friday, total jobs created. They don't mean what they used to. And further proof of that is what the Federal Reserve did today. They announced this morning that they will no longer release its labor market conditions index. Now, this used to be the Federal Reserve's favorite when it came to the underlying health of the actual jobs market. In other words, hey, forget all the the headlines. We like this number, right, this underlying number. It's kind of like the uh, inflation number. They don't like the CPI. They don't like the PPI. They got a, a, a their own little number that they like, the core index number, right? 
Well, this was their number for the labor market. We decided to stop updating labor market condition index because we believe it no longer provides a good summary of change in the U.S. labor market conditions, said the three Fed staffers who worked on preparing the monthly report. It said that the index was more sensitive to the detrending procedure than expected. Now, by detrending, right, what they were saying was, hey, it's more sensitive to the fact that these people are replacing good jobs with crappy ones. And it said that the measurement of some indicators have changed in recent years. You know what the biggest change is? The number of part-time jobs. Biggest change. Actually, there's two big changes, really. The number of part-time jobs being created, the number of people over the age of 55 and 65. It also added that the inclusion of the average hourly earnings didn't provide a meaningful link between labor market conditions and wage growth. In other words, hey, we kept saying that wages would start rising, and they're not. And the answer really is, by the way, the Fed declined any further comments because people wanted some follow-up, right? The number one follow-up was, does this mean that the quality of the jobs that are being created are not of the quality of the jobs that had been replaced? And, of course, we know what the answer is. And this really brings me up to, to what happened on... Friday morning. You know, every more every every day I come in and I and I start going to to my places. Right? I go to the to, to the dark web, right, and find all my stuff and try to get a show put together. And Friday there was an article that said the sixteen most expensive schools in the country, talking about colleges. And I was like, ooh, let me click on that. Just because I just wanted to see what the expensive schools were charging. You know, and in my mind, these were going to be all the Ivy League schools. To my surprise, I guess it's not a surprise, but (laughs) of the 16 schools on this list, one of them was an all-girls school. So I, I and I, I took it out because I was relating it to, to to my son, and I've been on the air more than once telling you I don't know how I'm going to do it. Right? This it's ridiculous. Five of the fifteen other schools are actively recruiting my son to play football for them. One of them, and most of these schools, I will tell you, there was 
a handful of the Ivy League schools in there, like you know Columbia and Dartmouth. But most of these other schools were, for a lot of us, schools that I'd never heard of before. Right up until my son started getting recruited to play at these schools. And I'll just share my experience of what we learned. My oldest son is a very good high school football player. He's a very productive player. He is five foot ten. 180 pounds and runs a 4-7. That's not good enough to play D1 football. I'm going to tell you what it is good enough for, and then I'm going to tell you how much it's going to cost when we get back. 800-951-0592. So you look at the jobs report. One out of every four jobs is a waiter or a waitress. Really? And really, if you extrapolate all the minimum wage type jobs, let's just say jobs below 15 bucks. Now you're talking about 75 to 80% of all the jobs. And then you look at what it costs to go to school. And then I use my oldest. He's a senior this year. He is already had an offer to play football at the next level, not at the Division One level. But here's something that my wife and I found out early on, which is we kind of thought he was like a Division Two player. That was, you know, mom and dad, this is what we think. When we started looking at the Division II schools that were out there, and this is not a knock on, on, there are some very, very good ones, but the vast majority, the majority of them, not very good schools. They can offer you a full ride. In other words, they can pay for all of it. Then there was all of these Division Three schools. Most of these schools, and I'm telling most of them, I had never heard of. And we found out that these schools that we had never heard of are very good schools. And on Friday, I saw this list, and I actually saved it. I actually forwarded it to my wife. One of the schools that that has already told my son, hey, if you can get in, we're going to offer you. Pitzer College. It's in California. I had never heard of Pitzer College until, I don't know, March of this year. You'll have to shell out more than 66 thousand dollars a year to attend Pitzer College. A little less than half the students receive some financial aid. I'm thinking, what? That means over half of them pay $66,000 a year to go to college. Kiplinger's ranked Pitzer, the 31st best schools 
on its list of best value colleges in the United States at $66,000 a year. By the way, these schools don't give athletic scholarships. So you have to, everything you get is means and earned uh, academically and means-based. It says that the the average student borrows roughly $16,000 a year or more, which is pretty amazing when you think about because, you know, the funny thing is, is, is my son's going to be in that range. And if it's only $16,000, i will be kind of happy about it. I think it's going to be below 20, but higher than 60. So when you think about it, okay, 66,000. So you got 50,000 of it because you're a good student and, you know, you do play football, so we're going to let you in. This would be a school my son could never get into. He's got a 3.4, 3.5 GPA. He's got a solid test score. He doesn't have, you know, some great super, super test score. But these are, this would be a school, if he didn't play football, he couldn't get into. And and it's going to cost somewhere between sixteen and $20,000 a year for me and my wife to get him there. Like I said, they ranked it as the 31st best value colleges in the United States. Having said that, after 10 years of graduation, students with a degree from Pitzer College were earning $45,000 a year. That gets you the 31st best value and and they were by the way they were 15th on the list of 16 so they were one of i guess one of the cheaper ones but i point that out because most of these schools in this list had similar things 10 years after graduation students that took out student loans were still paying on student loans average earnings some of them were in the 30s some of them were you know in the 50s and 60s i think the best one was one of the ivy leagues i, I want to maybe it was and i don't want to be wrong but uh, uh, columbia i think or dartmouth i can't remember which one but you're talking about you know just think about 66000 Four years later, you're talking $264,000 to go to a school that, quite frankly, I'd never heard of. Which, by the way, I would love for this to happen, now that I've heard of it. (laughs) And then you start thinking about, and I keep going back to that jobs number. And then I've started researching all the jobs numbers over the last several years. And they're all the same. But 
quality of the jobs have gone down. The majority of the jobs you don't need in college education. And at the same time, the cost to send them there has gone through the roof. How is it all going to work? Final segment on this Monday. I know it's hard to comprehend that you can pay two hundred and fifty thousand, three hundred thousand. By the way, at least on this list, the most expensive school uh, was right around seventy thousand a year, and. When we talk about children and grandchildren, need I remind everybody, when Ben Bernanke went to Harvard, $4,000 it cost. Four grand. Now you're talking about those similar schools, because the Ivy League schools were also in on this list, somewhere between, let's say, sixty-five dollars and $70,000 a year. And for the vast majority, the earnings potential continues to fall to the point the Federal Reserve this morning scrapped its labor market conditions index. And when you start looking at at how are we really going to get out of this, and is there a bubble, is there not a bubble, is it a bond bubble, is it a stock bubble, What what is it? And common sense just tells you we can't have 60, 70, 80% of all the jobs created pay less than 15 bucks and have it work. And it's not just that they're paying 15 bucks or less. It's part-time in 15 bucks or less. Remember, every quarter the BLS makes these huge adjustments. And we're seeing this trend where full-time work is falling and part-time work is rising. And then you start thinking about, you know, all the debts and what happens, and, and whether it be student loan debt, credit card debt, auto loan debt, mortgages, all of those things. It's debt, 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 and it doesn't look so good. Then today, as we connect all the dots, we have one of the, greatest opportunities in the silver market. We get them once in a while, right? We, we've we talked about it. This is probably the third time this millennial that the silver to gold ratio has been this high sitting here at 78 or all right at, you know, just under 78 ounces. When you go back all the way back to 1971, there was only three years, and they were all together. Essentially, 1990 through 1993, where the ratio was higher than it is today. And that's it. So you think about, you know, 46 years, only three times has it been even higher than this. Great opportunity. Uh, Whether you want to just add some new money or, you know, for the first time ever, I'm on board trading some gold for silver today. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, rolls of U.S. silver dimes, they're at 75 or 75 $65, uh, which is your cheapest entry point. Uh, rolls of U.S. silver eagles, which are also in stock, they're at 400 
If you want a case of silver, you save five bucks a roll, $9,875. Uh, quick look here. Both gold and silver pretty much unchanged today. Gold's at 1260 Silver at 16 and a quarter. 800-951-0592. Take the time. Put some away. Add to that portfolio. We'll talk again tomorrow. Thank you.